Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the West York Entrepreneur Podcast today. Today we're actually live, or recording here I should say, at Straight Line Contracting right here in Elma, New York. So Derek Acker, I appreciate you letting us use the space today. Appreciate you, brother, for who you are, but also letting us use uh, your conference room today, ma'am. Before we dive into our, our guest here, Jeremy Ballsmith here, I actually want to tell you about our next upcoming event. As of today, it's a few weeks away. We are doing a Cinco de Mayo networking party. It is 15 bucks, all-you-can-eat tacos and open bar. Pretty sweet if you ask me. So if you're not doing anything on Wednesday, May 3rd, I believe it is, it's at 5.30 p.m., the owner of Lake Effect Furniture right in Chittawaga on Union Road over there, He's nice enough to let us use his whole back space. We're talking, he has two dartboards, a pool table, a shuffleboard, a weight room, and I believe his golf simulator will be done at that point. This is his back office for his employees and like VIP clients. So we have the whole space there, tacos, all you can uh, eat and drink and network for 15 bucks. If you have a better thing to do on Wednesday night, you must be a really cool person. So. Let's dive into today's guest. We have Jeremy Ballsmith here today, the CEO of Townhousing Real Estate, and he's actually the owner of a new restaurant opening up called Noble. Well, actually, where would that be located, Jeremy? So that's going to be down on Elmwood and Bryant. Okay, you Remember the old Nectar or the old uh, MTK? Yeah. Many people do. Sometimes it causes a little PTSD when you think of MTK and those old brunches. But yeah, it's in that space, and they built a multi-purpose building next to it, so we took about three times the width actually. So it's, it's gonna be much larger than what people remember, but. So when do you, so I, I understand things don't always go according to plan, but any idea on a soft opening? <laughs> yeah, plans of mice and men, this one. But we're shooting for October. Right now we're just finalizing the financing phase and construction. So we'll be hopefully uh, working on that come mid-May. Awesome. Beginning of June at the latest. We'll post it up when it's there. Yeah. Appreciate you. So for those that don't know you, Jeremy, obviously I know you. We've talked quite a few times here, man. In fact, the first time we met was at Roost. Yeah, Bruce one of my favorites. Yeah, dude, awesome space. But for those that don't know your story, you know, kind of who are you? How'd you get into what you do today? Things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. So through and through, I'm a real estate guy. I've been a broker for about 10 years now, 10, 11 years, property management, construction, all that, all that jazz. I got into it probably 13, 14 years ago, unofficially, owning real estate. Started to buy some property with my father, and then very quickly we expanded the portfolio. And you know, once you pass that 50, 60 unit mark, you start to look and say, I got problems and I can't fix them all. At the time I was working at Red Lobster, I was in flight school to be an airline pilot and college, because you need a degree to yeah. be an airline pilot. So I was juggling all these things and started looking for a property manager and did not like what I heard or saw. And I was like, you know what? I'll do this myself. And one led to another and another. and. One person led to two techs and three maintenance techs, and here we are today, and yeah. over 70 people and 1,300 units between Buffalo and Rochester. So it's really kind of become its own thing. Otherwise, I still fly, love to fly. Oh, so you, you actually did get your pilot license, though? Private instrument commercial. So 
getting uh, out of yeah, here. Yeah. So if I ever need to escape with the apocalypse, I know to how to fly out of here. Yeah, there's not a lot of room on my little plane. Okay. It's, it's no golf stream by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I still do that as a, as a hobby and, and focus on real estate and now the restaurant. So the restaurant's a, a new new addition into the portfolio, if you will. So Dude, I love it. You're like me. You, you get bored easily. Very. Very bored easily. I had a little bit of free time, so we opened a restaurant. Why not? I love it, dude. So I don't ask so many questions, but I'm trying to be more strategic of like how I want to or when I should ask them in a row here. So it sounds like the townhousing real estate was first, then the property management came? Or was it the property management and then it was the real estate? It was, it was definitely the ownership of real estate. I owned a bunch of property and then the property management uh, came after I got my broker's license. And, and I never really focused on sales until I, I met up with uh, James Wenglin. He's yeah. my co-broker now yeah. and partner. So over the last four years, he and I have been building out the sales team and he, he's done great work. So, yeah. uh, But my focus was always ownership, apartment remodels and flipping, house flipping. I was yeah. doing that when the whole buzz was going on and the whole burr. You're like the so, original HGTV. <laughs> yeah, minus minus the HGTV. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I was under the radar. So for those that own properties or, or, or want to own properties, I'm sure there's myths, right? Like HGTV makes it look like it's so easy and so simple these days, or you know, it's you know, or reels, if you will, right? Oh, it's so simple. You just do A, B, and C. What are some myths that you think you want to bust? Obviously, being obviously in both sides of the spectrum, having a real estate broker, but also on the lines of doing all the property maintenance and everything that's involved in that. What is it, and what is it not, in your opinion? I think it's a great way to build wealth and have some structure and stability financially. I think it's a great way to diversify your portfolio if you're in stocks, if you're in crypto. I don't know anything about that. But I like the physical asset component. I like being able to see, drive by, touch, and, and, and feel what I own. The passive income's great, but I think that's more the myth. Tax benefits, the myth. I mean, you've got to be making a lot of money to make the tax component of investing in real estate in Buffalo, New York at the two and four unit level makes sense. I see a lot of guys do it for tax benefits, but they're the guys buying buildings for a million cash. And I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, you got to know your numbers. You got to know your numbers. You got to watch your numbers like a hawk and stick to the plan, but be realistic, you know, be realistic about rents, be realistic about costs and you know, interest rates are going through the roof. Yeah. You know, if people didn't take advantage uh, in 2020 and 2021 with the rates and refi, you know, they were asleep at the wheel. And yeah. You got to stay diligent and, and vigilant. Mm. You, you know, I'm glad you hit that point because I'll be honest. I see all these like videos about like, oh, the wealthy don't pay taxes. This is how you do it. I'm like, wait, hold on. I own a couple of properties. By the way, I'm I've been over budget in every one and fixing them up. So know your numbers. I gotta get better at that. But I'm like, okay, where are these crazy tax benefits? Because I'm still paying taxes. So I'm glad you said that. But that being said, man, so when, when people are looking for like a property management company, like what, should, what questions should they be asking? Because one thing I've realized is that often I just assume people are going to tell me things, but you, know, you don't know when to ask. So what questions should people be asking or what should they know in your opinion? I think there's three. I think the first question is, who am I going to be working with? When they, they come to town housing, they meet me initially, they talk with me. Ultimately, they do not work with me. You know, I am in the building. I am not always running every component of the company, given its size now. But who am I going to be working with? Do you have a team? Is this a, a mom and pop shop? Is there going to be someone dedicated to the communications of the account and the monitoring of the account? I'd say the second is really processes and you know, have they embraced technology? Do they have systems and processes in place to handle all the things that come at a, at a rental portfolio? And then the third, it's been my newest headache, but it's really insurance, making sure you're covered, you know, because it's, it's, it's a too happy world 
nowadays. Unfortunately, through COVID, there's a lot of free money, and people are getting really comfortable with the free money, and they're yeah. getting real smart on how to chase after free money. And it's easy to slip and fall and, and you know make 50 grand these days if if you're not properly insured, if your service provider is not properly insured. You know, you're kind of up the creek with no paddle, um, yeah. as, as they would say. So those would be my three. Who is there any specific, specific insurance one? that you thought would be like that? Maybe you kind of find like, okay, like just making sure you have good. Just don't take the cheapest one. Are you saying? Are you saying there's specific insurance that you should add that maybe that maybe that most people don't think about? Yeah, I mean, back to you know the realistic component to the numbers and 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 setting yourself up for success is you know don't just pick the cheapest policy. You know, in my opinion, you know, you want to find something middle of the road, the right coverages. But for a service provider, you know, are they doing the right, uh, you know, general liability policy? You know, if you're taking your tenant social security numbers and their credit information, do they have a cyber policy? You know, are they protected that if something happens? Because ultimately, as the owner of the property, it's coming back on you. No well, matter even what. cyber, you're saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I never, I never would have thought about theft, that. Theft, internal theft. You know, I haven't had it, but, you know, what if someone gets sticky fingers in the office with rent? You just want to ask. You know, you don't have to grill them to death, but you want to know, are they covered? Am I properly insured? Uh, unfortunately, insurance is a complicated thing. I barely understand it, but I take a lot of time to read up on it, and I have good people help me. But, yeah, it's easy to not be covered and think you are. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, I'm going to ask it before you actually need to ask those questions when it's more serious. So obviously we live in a really interesting time, in my opinion, maybe I'm biased, but like maybe because of our, our age is being very similar, but I think we live in a very interesting time. We just had COVID and then we're like, we're talking about like a you know, great recession coming and all that. So with businesses, there's always like some losses and the losses are inevitable, right? That's one of the things you kind of, you wrote down here when we were talking prior, but how do you cope with this stuff? Like as a business owner, obviously you own multiple businesses. You have totally different things that you're kind of fixing here. How do you cope with this stuff? Like I go from there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I put that on the notes because, you know, you go through transition periods, you know, it's not just win, 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 grow, 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 grow. I know we all like to make it seem that way and look that way because that's, you know, you never post a bad picture on Instagram, right? So I, I think everyone in business does put their best foot forward as they should. But internally, you do have to cope and deal with the losses. And sometimes clients leave you. Other times, you know, your team may not be their best or do their best and you'll lose clients. But then things like COVID and, and market interest rates come you know, out of nowhere and yeah. then they start to sell off in ways. In my particular industry, they you know, trying to exit the market. I think in those periods of time is when you really have to assess the bottom line. You know, top line's great. Chasing after revenue, chasing after opportunities is, is what, as an owner, you are responsible for. But you know, that's not just the only component. You also want to be looking at bottom line. I've really done a deep dive in my business and through some of the transition going into COVID, coming out of COVID, you know, it was like a huge up and down. And I found that, you know, you can save a lot of money a dollar at a time. And if you get smart and, and you get smart with, you know, where's the money going? Is it getting me a return? You could definitely, you know, turn the boat if you have to. And people is another thing. People's very difficult. And sometimes you experience loss because of your people and, you know, it's, it's like a parent to a child you really have to kind of take it on the chin and be like i still love them i want to kill them but i love them and you really then you have to look inward mm. and look in the mirror and be honest like how did i fail my team how did i fail my employee that could have led to this mistake happening that cost me that business training has always for me been the number one and the more you procrastinate and the more i procrastinate when i'm in periods of like attrition the worse i feel 
and the sloppier I get. But when yeah. I just sit down yeah. and do it and focus on, okay, we're going to find the solution and put that to work, that's when I really find a lot of success. Yeah, I agree, man. Especially the procrastinating thing. Like we, sometimes we just know in our gut we're supposed to be doing what we don't want to do. We don't have that hard conversation. We don't, sometimes you're not, you're afraid to look at the profit losses because you just, you know, you haven't looked at them. You're like, okay, something's going a little wonky. I'm afraid to look. But as you know, like I'm preaching to the choir with you and everybody here involved is that like when we look at it, it's like now we can face the facts. We can make the best decisions. Yeah. Can't change what happened a month ago, but we can change it now. Yeah. So I know I'm kind of putting you in the spot with this question, but I do want to ask it is, you know, what is the biggest thing that you kind of like learned the hard way? Like for me, I'm trying to think here. For me, it was, I'll be honest, it was a bookkeeper. I needed a bookkeeper because I was trying to do all my numbers myself here. And the biggest thing I learned, and because of that, I went through a tax audit. And that sucked. And I, oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm just being, I just want to be real before I ask you a real question. That's the reason I'm asking you. That's why I'm telling you this. So for me, getting a bookkeeper, which I realized was really cheap, it wasn't that expensive to take care of that. So what was the biggest thing that you think you've learned the hard way? Honestly, I think it's, unfortunately, I would say in maintaining relationships. What built townhousing, what built the involvement I have in aviation, and what's building Noble, the restaurant, has been relationship-focused. And it's very easy to forget what got you here. And the saying, what got me here won't get me there, is not true when it comes to relationships. And I've had to spend the last few months really reconnecting with some of my clients, reconnecting with some of my vendors, and some of my employees who, who don't typically see me day to day. I mean, I have a lot of guys in the field who don't see me at all, Yeah. you know, unless they come running through my office. And if you're in my office, it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> reconnecting with them and, you know, for the technicians, it being a night out with the guys, for clients, it's just calling, hey, I want to check in on you and your account. How are things going? Take the big clients that mean a lot to you or who've been with you a long time to lunch and, you know, reacquaint yourself with with them. And the new motto I've been saying around my office is we have to meet the client where they're at. Some clients need more than others. Some clients don't need anything. Other clients want more attention and, you know, affection. And others, leave me alone. I'm busy. I'm busier than you guys. I'll let you know if I need you. Yes. And I got some big wigs who are like, Jeremy, thanks. But no, I'm busy. Yeah. Thank you. And that's fine. You have to respect their space. But meet the client where they're at. And it's easy to, to forget that when you're just running 100 different directions. Yeah, it, it is. And you're totally... And by the way, that that was my problem two years ago is that like I was just so focused on signing new clients. If I'm just being honest, I wasn't doing it as good a job as I should have been taking care of my current clients. Totally, right? Hey, really quick. I just interrupt your podcast really quick to ask you a simple question from one of our business sponsors of the West Shark Entrepreneur Podcast. Do you need a lawyer? If you own a business, then yes. From business formation, operating agreements, corporate contracts, licensing agreements, and employment contracts to business litigation, every business needs a great lawyer in its corner. The business attorneys at Rump Base, Falls Grab Cunningham, customize every solution to the needs of your business while keeping you in compliance of local, state, and federal laws. Visit our website today at rumpbase.com. That's R-U-P-P-B-A-S-E dot com. Rump Base Falls Graph Cunningham, People at Law. Now, back to your podcast. So putting systems in place, that leads me to my next, my next question here, is that like putting people and systems in place that, that are good at that and that like, it makes it simpler and easier and harder to forget to take care of your clients, right? So... Obviously, you do a lot of different things. You're running. There's a lot of moving parts here, man. Yeah. It's like sometimes a one wrench can ruin the whole entire machine. It does. But, it's dominoes. Yeah. It is. So, <laughs> so tell me, how do you balance it? How do you, how, you know, how does that work with you, man? 
Or maybe some advice you have for entrepreneurs for that are sure. trying to jump yeah. all that. I think lately it's it's been a lot more segmentation and segmenting out different operations, even different teams within town and telling myself Thursday has and will continue to be my restaurant day, period. I'm not available. I, I've all but put my way message on. I haven't done that. I don't like that just personally. But Thursday's my, my restaurant day and things pile up. And naturally, that was the plan. Let them pile up, crush it on Thursday. And I do not stop until I'm done with that bucket. And sometimes it's 8, 9, 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, I'm up early. So those are 15, 16-hour days to clear the bucket. Segmentation's been good. That's really helped me. And then really just sticking to the schedule. I mean, I am a taskmaster, and I hammer that schedule. And, and I have to really stick minute by minute because, you know, if, if you start off an hour late, you know, by the end of the day, you're three hours late and you're just all over. Now you're behind the ball. Yeah. You know, the ball's chasing you, and that's really not what you want. So managing a lot of different people just comes with you know training your key people. Out of everyone I deal with across town housing and the restaurant, I mean, it's in the airplanes, it's well over 100 people, but there's six that I truly deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the others. It's like here, then they help, obviously, do yeah. the rest. So, yeah. you know, I have my six, those six have their 20, and everyone else, those 75 below, are doing what they're doing. And I, and I might come off, you know, a little boastful by saying that, but it's true. You have to create the layers and, you know, tell your management, you need me, I'm here for you. But also tell your management, you know, the new guy who started in that department a week ago should not be texting me. Mm-hmm. Why are they leapfrogging three other layers? Like, because it's just, I don't have it in me. You're one person. Yeah. So really sticking to the plan, sticking to the schedule, sticking to the delegation and the flow of communication is important. And so, you got to be okay to tell people you shouldn't be coming to me. And that sounds like, why would an owner ever say that to an employee? It's like, I don't dislike you. Yeah. I'm not here to not support you. But there are other people in place right. to help you right now. Right, yeah. Like, you know, for example, there's a reason why you can't get a hold of the President of the United States. There's Senate, there's, you know, town, there's, you know, there's mayors, there's towns, there's villages, then there's cities, then there's, you know, states, then there's the president, right, to get all these things in place. So, like, obviously, you know. But that being said, man, you know, one kind of pick it back up, you said here, the biggest thing for me was learning how to say no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Often we feel like, well, I hate saying, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I, I, it's hard for me to say no, but often we're, it's what you're saying no to. So I, I'm trying to think of the quote, it said, um, Say yes to everything, but when you're saying yes to something because you hate saying hate saying no, you're actually saying no to something else. You're saying no to something more important than than you should be. So for me, when I learned that, I went, "Oh, I'm actually saying no. I'm just saying no to something else that I shouldn't be saying no to." Because because there's only so much time and day in there. But but that being said, man. So obviously you're you're a veteran in the business world here, man. What advice do you have for for new business owners, new entrepreneurs that are kind of starting out? Before we transfer to that, the whole saying no, I always say, would you rather say no or say I'm sorry? Oh, that's a good one. Because you keep saying yes, yeah. something's going to fall off the wagon. Yeah. And whoever and whatever that is, I mean, that could have been your next biggest client that you, you dropped the ball on because you just said yes, 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 yes. That's a good, that's a good one. You know, And you're going to bite it at some point. And you're going to eat it, and you're going to have to turn around and be like, I screwed this up. Now, you know, pray to God that that person doesn't go tell 100 friends. And that starts to erode the brand. But, yeah, I, uh, I learned that the hard way, too. So you can add that to the list. Yeah. School of hard knocks. And I guess on that comment is, you know, new entrepreneurs, there is a lot of value in getting out there and shooting your shot. There's a lot of value in sticking your neck out there. You better work it. You better work it. You can't stick your neck out and then take a vacation. 
That just those two don't combine. But if you believe in something, if you see that you can bring value and that you can take advantage of opportunity, you absolutely have to. And and again, relationships are very important. I mean, they've they've been the root of what I've created and continue to create in various businesses. So, you know, so, focus in on that. So here's my question. So obviously you mentioned relationships a couple of times here. So what are some ways that entrepreneurs can make sure they're they're kind of replicating that success of like success of building relationships? So obviously you'd be like, well, go to networking events, but what are some ways that you think that have really helped you build real relationships in business? Yeah, I mean, obviously people come to me because they need something, mm-hmm. right? And I think if they're coming, and I'm a services business. If you're a services business, you are absolutely or should be at the beck and call of who's coming to you. If you're selling a product, you better get your product right. But for me, you know, it wasn't as much networking as it is when they come to me for something or a need, mm-hmm. you know, feeling the listening. Mm-hmm. Really got to listen to what they're, you know, going back to meet the customer where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, figure out what they need and figure out how you can help achieve it with your knowledge. And that's really what's been the foundation of building relationships. Being consistent, always, you know, and under under promise, over deliver. Okay. For sure. Oh, it yeah. sounds so rudimentary. It sounds like, oh, that's like day one. That's like in the Entrepreneur for Dummies book. Yeah, well, yeah. probably is, but it's not, you know. There's a reason why 80% of businesses fail. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So. And it's hard to execute. It's very hard to execute, especially when you're dependent upon employees. So then, you know, you got to teach them that, that passion. And I had a real rough meeting on Friday, and I basically told my managers, I'm like, I can't be the only source of passion for you in your job. You have to find a way to reinvent your excitement for your role, reinvent your excitement for the brand and the business, because it's a tough business, and people burn out. We're yeah. all human. Yeah. And I think if you're going to have a relationship professionally, you have to go the distance. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep your head straight. And you have to be able to perform day in and day out. I love it. So here's my last question, actually, because believe it or not, we're almost out of time here, dude. Crazy, isn't uh, it? <laughs> oh, dude. So what is like, I have kind of like two questions, but let me go over this one first. When people call you for like property management, right? Mm-hmm. What is like the, the one or two biggest questions you get? Is it like, how much is this going to cost me? Uh, right. And what does it include? Is, it, what, 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 and, and is that the biggest question you get? And what do you usually say to that? I'm sure, obviously, it depends, right? But uh, what yeah. factors maybe? Uh, I mean, they do ask the price, naturally. I typically try to make it just like a casual conversation. I say, listen, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to send you stuff with all the details. But right now, we're just going to talk. So it's a lot more informal than you might think, considering I'm pretty formal and rigid always. But it's a real loose conversation with them initially. And a lot of times, they're coming to me, again, with their issues. And they're asking me, what do I do here? Not like, do I fire my old guy? I, I never engage in that conversation. But, you know, I have this property. This is happening. That's happening. What, what would you say? And you know what? Those are just give them the honest truth and give them the honest free advice. Yeah. They will always come back. Right. If you can value add in the first 10-minute phone call you have with anybody, it might be a week. It might be a month or two years. They will come back. Yeah. And I'd be shocked if they don't become a customer. Price, you know what? To speak on that, price is a price. Mm-hmm. And, and prices are going up. Costs are going up. And you got to have good people on your team, and that costs money. And yeah. if they want a good product or a good service, that costs money. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people are like, well, this cost or that fee and that price. I'm like, I, I'm like, I do understand. I said, but part of our job is rental management. Yeah. And we'll earn our keep once yeah. we get in there, renegotiate leases for you. But 
you know, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in that. Obviously, yeah, if you want the cheap, you're going to get the cheap. You get what you pay for, basically. Yeah. And yeah. people aren't afraid to pay increases or not afraid to pay fees if they feel they're getting value. I'm, I'm on the board for Make-A-Wish here in Western New York, and we have our gala. And, and the casino was putting a cap on the headcount, raising the food costs, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, I was like, we need to do an increase. And I think we did 20% this year mm-hmm. and sold, I don't know. 100 tables, something mm-hmm. like 580 people showed up. Yeah. Not one word. Mm-hmm. Every single person paid it. It's for a good cause, but ultimately people know the environment we're in, you know, financially. And if you can value add. You know, exactly. I want to make sure it doesn't get bypassed because I kind of bypassed it too quickly here. Is that, you know, you, what, you, what you're doing right there is you're making yourself the authority figure in that. Like, clearly, you're proving your worth. You're clearly proving your knowledge. Well, you know what you're talking about. Like, when you're giving advice, free advice right off the bat. Okay, this guy, to me, that proves this guy. The way my brain works is if this is the free stuff, I wonder what the paid stuff is. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. If this guy's willing to give this to, for me, what does he tell me that I don't know, right? So that's where m- my brain goes. And uh, I think it's so smart because you're totally right. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jeremy. When I first got my first uh, short-term rental and the guy's like, this is how much it pays to clean it. I'm like, oh, that's too much. You want to pay this much to spend 40 minutes cleaning? And then after a month, like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Here you go. And then the yeah. same thing with here. How much you want to pay for a property management company? Huh. I'm like, oh, you know what? You can handle it. So my point is that it's it makes complete sense that, like, People are going to value what they value, and if they're not ready for it, especially if they're newer, I think they'll like they'll they'll learn eventually, anyways. But and as an but, entrepreneur, you should value time. Yeah. What is your time actually worth? Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at a company like us, and we're not perfect, I can only imagine some of my friends out there, and I say that word loosely, who are yeah. going to hear this. So I'll own it. We're not perfect, and we yeah. drop the ball, and you know we own it to the best we can, yeah. but. Uh, ultimately, our economies of scale make it worth our time to manage some of this stuff for customers where their time is better spent in their day job mm-hmm. or in their other various businesses or focusing on development of their portfolio and growth. Mm-hmm. You got to know what's your time worth. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't, if it's not worth X dollars for that service, you know, that's that's between them and, 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 yeah, you know, and their themselves. personal beliefs. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't change the structure that, you know, we try to manage here at the company. Awesome, man. Well, we're going to close on that. So that being said, for those that want to connect with you, Jeremy, let me ask you some questions, things that we didn't think about. Maybe it's more personal. Maybe it's more specific. Whatever you feel comfortable, dude. Some people put out their emails. Some people put their cell phones. Some people do. Some people are more private. You do what you want, man. What is the best way for someone to get a hold of you if they would love to grab coffee with you or just maybe just ask you a question? Social media is always great. I'm always on public. Find my name, Jeremy Ballsmith, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, happy to connect through DMs or honestly, my, my phone number as well, 716-598-7257. Would love to talk to you. Text me first. I'm probably in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll get back to you guys. Are you like you? It'd be like, great to talk with you. <laughs> is your phone always on silent like mine is? No, I'm not that bad. I don't even know where mine is right now. I think, oh, I gave it to me. <laughs> Maybe you threw it in so, the lake or yeah, something. Yeah, I threw it in the river. Yeah. It's a rough Monday. It's Monday, you know. It is Monday. But yeah, text me. I'd love to connect with anyone. Awesome. Talk more. That'd be great. Well, you're a busy guy. I appreciate your time, brother. And, uh, thanks, and thanks for, for having for me. Providing some value, man. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.